Welcome back, you beautiful people. Another episode of MedShield Movement Connect show with me, Dr. Fez. We live in a world where there's a lot of information. People tell you to eat this, but not to eat that. It's better to cut out this so you can look this kind of way. And we thought that we should address these issues around nutrition with somebody who is very knowledgeable, a dietitian, Sumeya Essa. Get ready to know what you don't know about being body brilliant. This is the MedShield Movement Connect show, where we connect the dots between fitness, health, wellness, nutrition, and of course you. Hosted by me, Dr. Fez Mkize, and a special guest that we have every month, sharing knowledge, insights, and groundbreaking tips on how to get fitter, be stronger, and live healthier. Turn up the volume and listen close. Today, you amplify. It's the MedShield Movement Connect show. Let's go. Thank you so much for sitting down with us, man. Perfect. Let's how are you? Oh, you know. Pretty good. Actually, that's the first time somebody <laughs> has asked, yeah, you is this a dietitian thing where you're just trying to make sure that I'm nourished right. internally, spiritually? Maybe. It could be a dietitian thing or maybe just a people thing from uh, my side. I love that. But speaking of the fact that you are a dietitian, yes. um, I don't know if a lot of people at home have ever come into consultation with a dietitian. Yes. What is it that made you want to go into the specific kind of speciality or into the medical scheme itself? Yeah, so um, I think when I was choosing my profession, I wanted to choose something that would be practical, that I could apply to my personal life as well. Um, also something that I could be flexible with if I wanted to have a family someday and be flexible with my hours and be my own boss. And I also loved healthcare. Mm-hmm. And then I thought like everything is affected by what you eat, right? Because you are what you eat. So then I looked into dietetics and yeah, became a dietitian. So as a dietitian, yeah. you've said all of these things and it is something that's very important because that's our contact kind of with the world. We ingest things and they kind of help us or they make things a bit harder for us. Yeah. What have you found is the ideology or the thought process around diet, dietitian and nutrition in South Africa or dieting in South Africa? Yeah, um, I think we have this obesity pandemic because everyone's been very unhealthy yeah 100 i actually think it's a global a global issue and i think since uh lockdown maybe it's gotten a bit worse (laughs) with everyone sitting at home um i actually got really busy after lockdown which was quite nice um but i think that nutrition's become really complicated because everyone has an opinion Um, i think maybe because people think that they eat they can just tell everyone else how to eat Um, And I think nowadays there's lots of influential people with opinions. And so everything's become complicated, confusing, conflicting. And everyone's just been trying so many things and just not finding that balance. So I think if you go to a dietitian, that's what you'd get. You'd get the simple, sustainable, easy approach that you could do long term, you know, because you want like longevity with your eating because healthy is forever, right? Um, So versus trying all these trends and fads. Um, I think that's just what people are confused about and need more information on, yeah. When you speak to, if somebody, like if I were to come to you and ask for consultation, and of course, I'm sure this is, you encompass a lot of kind of thoughts and and how I am as a person, all of these things that factor into what you would then suggest in terms of a managed plan. Yeah. What are some of the key principles, like if I come in that you are considering and then you roll out? With the treatment that you so we'd have to look at your lifestyle um in general so i'd obviously do like a full diet history um check what you've currently been doing maybe with your job if you have lots of traveling um training 
exercising, what your training goals are, um, cultural um, background, religious background, all of those things affect the way that you eat. Um, so we'd look at all of that. So the one thing with seeing a dietitian that you can definitely guarantee is personalization because mm -hmm. we wouldn't do the same thing for everyone. Um, and I think that's what makes it special. Yeah. Now, hearing you, and I know everything's tailored to each person, and you're somebody who, if I were to come in, there'd be all these things that you'd consider. Yeah. I still kind of want to know your thought process around a lot of these uh, trends of eating. Okay. I don't want to name any specific kind of trend, but take this and don't eat that, and this will make you lose weight, and this kind of won't. What is your philosophy around those buzz or like trendy diet plans? Yeah, so I think what happens is they just get very restrictive, right? They mm. always sort of demonize one sort of food group mm. and completely mm. cut it out. And then that makes it unsustainable, especially if it just comes to being social. I mean, how can you not then have an entire food group if that's what everyone's doing? So I think just balance is, is important. So most of how to spot like a something fatty, mm. um, maybe see that it's not balanced and, and that's what you'd want to aim for. Yeah. I mean, I, and this is what I always tell people because thankfully I've been able to try. I mean, I fell into some of these, oh, do this and it'll make you kind of feel this way or look this way. And I've tried a number of them and I find it is coming down to balance and um, vilifying, making like a certain food group or thing evil yeah. also then ends up having this weird psychological connection when it comes to you and food. And I mean, in your practice, do you find that some people come in and they kind of have that negativity when it comes to certain food groups? And how do you break that psychological training? Because I feel like it is training because 100%. you reinforce it and social media might show you an image and be mm. like, you look like this. And if you do this, then you won't look like this. Yeah. So how is it that you kind of, oh, have you seen that and how do you tackle it? Yeah, so I think there definitely are some fears around certain food groups yeah. after following a certain fad that said like, don't eat this and then you completely cut it out and now you actually feel afraid to start including it again. So I think just explaining to patients um, the reason why you need it, the benefits of having it and then slowly reintroducing it back into their diet because you have to remember that eating is not just like nourishing yourself, it's also a behavior. So you know people need to relearn food behaviors and, and, and being comfortable with food again. So we actually definitely look into the psychology behind that as well. Yeah. Food behaviors, I love that. Yeah. And it, mindful and it, eating. It, mindful eating. And yes. I feel like when it comes to these kind of topics, it is because there is this pressure um, to look a certain way because we are now being bombarded with certain images and what is aesthetically pleasing and what is not. And because you want to get to this end point, yeah. then there's that behavior that then comes. And I find that for me, I have a lot of people coming in who would want to, oh, can I get surgically kind of done or can this be sucked out for this to look this way can you refer me yeah. somewhere do you find like there's that unrealistic expectation initially before you've spoken to people and like do you sometimes have to refer to be it psych or even plastic surgery um, so definitely a lot of unrealistic expectations. So part of what I do is that we set realistic goals mm -hmm. and try to tell them about setting smart goals, you mm -hmm. know, with the realistic timeline. And also looking at your body shape and realizing that you can, this is where you're at and what you should focus on and focus on you, not someone else and not comparing. Um, referring to psych all the time. Um, I think um, mental health is 
super important and affects your eating behavior um, significantly. So definitely referring a lot to psych. And then in terms of plastics, if I have like a really obese patient that's lost a lot of weight, for example, like 60 plus kgs, then I think it's all the loose skin folds and mm. stuff that then starts affecting the patient that we can obviously look into surgically sorting out so that they feel a bit better about themselves, yeah. This is me personally. This yes. is something I've been wanting to, to really know about. I hear a lot about it. I've discussed it with people. But you know the concept of like a body type. So you have the ectomorph, mesomorph, yes. endomorph. Yeah. Is that actually a good way to classify how people's bodies are? Or is it too kind of pigeonholed to say, oh, you're an ectomorph and this is how you'll always be. You'll always be a bit leaner. you always tend to kind of lose the weight. Or is it better, the better systems to describe the body? I think I, I don't really use that system because mm. then it still kind of makes you not unique. It's yeah. like putting you in a box. Mm. Um, so I just try to make everyone feel that they're just special in their own way and that's who they are versus classifying that. But I know, like, obviously, scientifically where they're at and what the, the weight loss is going to be like in which areas. I mean, it would be great to tell your body where to lose weight first. Right, listen, <laughs> I mean, we'd all listen. love that. Um, but sometimes you have to be realistic about your body shape, you know. Um, and then we do have genetics. Um, you know, I don't know if you know about genetic testing now, looking into mm. DNA. Um, that can also help you a lot and maybe help patients to see that actually this is the way that they are meant to be. And mm. We're just going to work with that and focus on working with that instead of trying to be unrealistic about everything else. Yeah. So when when it comes to kind of that DNA mapping, how how does it work in terms of the general principles? Um, and then how yeah how do you actually use that to be able to yeah? So that? it's it looks at nutrigenetics, nutrigenomics, or epigenetics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we do like a saliva swab. Um, yeah, and then yeah. we send it down to the lab. And then there's different sort of tests. So there's looking at the health profile. So it looks at um, inflammation, methylation, mm -hmm. so how your body is repairing DNA, um, and all of those things. It's basically looking like if you have to think of like a river, like upstream. Mm -hmm. So we want to prevent disease versus cure disease. So seeing what you're genetically predisposed to and then working with that to prevent. Um, so in terms of what we were talking about, weight loss, um, it also tells you with the different food groups like carbohydrates and fats um, what you're less likely to metabolize better or you know what oh, I mean so yeah, focus yeah. more on like a Mediterranean style diet or a low-fat diet or a low-carb diet yeah. just for some direction I think inevitably I still make it balanced but you know just try to tweak it a little bit and make it extra personalized and then there's also DNA sports which then helps if you're training a lot um, to know about whether you're more power training, oh, more endurance yeah. training, um, your injury risk, the recovery time that you'd likely need based on like your muscle fibers. So it can get really interesting. Your caffeine um, intolerance, caffeine <laughs> metabolism, uh, just so that you know like how soon before your workout should you take the caffeine for it to actually be effective in your session. Um, are you a faster metabolizer of it or a slow metabolizer? So DNA can tell you that. It's pretty, pretty cool, yeah. Okay, so I, I will just assume whenever I take my caffeine is the right time to take it because <laughs> yeah. I, I do like taking it a bit too frequently. Yeah. But in a case where somebody might not be getting the DNA testing and be able to be yes. looked and mapped out so mm -hmm. well, what are some of the general principles you would give to, to people when it comes to kind of the nutrition? Because I know for me, mm -hmm. um, for 
not as knowledgeable as you may be, but I always say kind of general principles is like whole foods, um, less processed because you want to be able to um, kind of increase um, gut transit time so that food isn't just kind of passing through. Um, and then things like sugar, um, the discussion around how kind of the refined sugar and, and what it actually affects in terms of the body and yeah. underlying levels of chronic inflammation. But like if I was at home and I just wanted to tweak my diet and make it a bit better before I come to you, yeah. as you guys should, she's got amazing <laughs> recipes that she has both on online and on her Instagram page. But yeah. what would you say are some of the core principles for... Um, well, first, let's start with the mindset change. So I think the word diet, I know it's part of my occupation. <laughs> I was going to say. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for my job title. But it's, it's like seemingly something that implies that you would start and stop, right? Mm -hmm. Not something that's sustainable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So not to look at it as a diet, but as healthy eating. Yeah. So we just, we just want to eat healthy. So we're not going to start and stop it. It's the food choices are going to remain the same, but what we'll adjust is portion sizes based on your goals, mm -hmm. right? And in terms of the balance, including all food groups in the correct portions for you based on your goals and based on your medical conditions and whatever it is, mm -hmm. nothing is restricted. Um, so also when it comes to sugar and like treat foods, so I don't yeah. also say like the word cheats because we shouldn't cheat on anything. Words, yeah, yeah course, so we shouldn't cheat enough. on anything. So just refer to them as treats. And then I usually say like the 80-20 rule. So 80% of the time yeah. not having them and 20% of the time we can have them. Because I think by completely eliminating them, like the psychological factors behind it is that you feel this restriction and then it makes you want to binge on it when you do see it versus like it's tuesday and if you feel for some chocolates like you can control the portion and have a little bit versus waiting till saturday which is your cheat day and then having an entire slab yeah. Yeah. which would be then um, Counter counterproductive yeah. to your goals yeah Thank you. Um, that's why I have a bit of ice cream every day. Yeah. I think uh, you, day. you've just you know, like, to listen, cheat to 80, 20, 80% 20. of the day, I'm fine. 20% I have, I have the ice cream. When it comes to just some takeaway points, so I'm at home and I just want to take five salient points from the discussion today. What would you say those are? Five points. Okay. So definitely to include a balance in your diet. So not to be restrictive and remove any food groups, fruit and vegetables. So in my practice, definitely see that people don't eat enough vegetables every day. Definitely <clears throat> not. Some people don't even want to eat fruit. So that's a good place to start. I think the mindset of being inclusive versus what you have to exclude is always better right because mm -hmm. tell them if you start eating all the things you're meant to eat actually you'll feel so full and you won't miss all the things you're not supposed to eat so that's a good way to look at things um enough protein particularly yeah. with the females i don't think we eat enough protein so that has like a high satiety value so it keeps you fuller for longer and then they don't have enough of that which makes them eat more of the other food groups um not to hate carbs um carbs are good the good <laughs> carbs the healthy whole grains. i love that you looked yeah. at them when you yeah. said it you were like carbs are cool we team carbs yeah yeah um so just to include that obviously in the right portion and then the healthier mm -hmm. the healthier ones um and then to watch your fat intake as well because that's where the calories that come is, in yeah. you know of all the food groups it's the most energy dense and it's easy to add a little bit of extra oil mm -hmm. to make it tasty but then not so good for the abs um yeah and then just <clears throat> watch your treats treat foods the 80 20 rule that we spoke about yeah so 20% of the time but yeah i think ice cream is, is quite nice that is go. my that is my treat that i go to 
every single day for some of us and she gave you six points not so every she gave day. you an, it's not every single day i'm not saying <laughs> it as a dietitian but i'm saying my life is a lot richer because of the sugar but um that's six points that's an extra one and i think especially with the protein the satiety level when you've actually eaten enough protein yeah. is very much underrated and people don't talk about it because if you get enough, you yes. tend to find that not only are you fuller, but you also are able to kind of feel like you have a bit more energy, I found. Yes, and then um, I also find like with the weight loss, people focus on the total kg loss, but not really looking at the composition mm, of that loss. Yeah, so with my in-body scale, which tells you body fat mass and skeletal muscle mass, obviously try to show the patients that you just want to lose body fat. You want to retain all the muscle you have. In fact, try to get it the high end of the normal range as much as possible. So it's not only about cages on the scale, but the composition of that. And protein plays a big role in, in that, yeah. So we live in an information kind of world and yeah. you are one of those touchstones, thankfully, um, trying to give out good information that's based on some level of research and experience. Yeah. Um, I like to try ask people. Yes especially specialists, who they find they go to and are a reputable, kind of good, knowledgeable space uh, or a platform. And I generally will take about three of them, if you have, that yes. you would suggest somebody kind of go to for information, be it a YouTube channel, be it a person that you may follow on social media. Yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure you don't follow anyone on social media. <laughs> but some people <laughs> that you've seen are, are quite knowledgeable. Um, well, in terms of dietitians, it, uh, within the wellness space, yeah, and I, wellness hopefully they space. do throw in nice recipes as well. Yeah, so I think everyone should follow like our dietitian association. So then you have access to all the dietitians because there's so many. Yeah, so it's ADSA. Um, okay. So that's our association for dietetics in South Africa, and that way you'd have access to any private practicing dietitian in your area. So that at least you can find one if you're wanting to look for one. Yeah, so maybe if you'd want to follow that account and then they often post um, any sort of dietitians that have been in the media, so all the resources and links to it. So if you need to get some proper um, validated information, you can always get it off there. Uh, I'm trying to think if I... <laughs> yeah, throw, I mean, you're in there just, uh, so of yeah. course you have to go follow you. But <laughs> that's, that's it, just one? Um, Ooh. You're, you're asking me a yeah, question. Yeah, you've got things you must have a tough like standard then. I think Should I be. do. Ah. So I, so I read like journal articles. Mm -hmm. Like I'm very science-based like that. In terms of social media, I can't say that I really... Come across no. something that says... As oh, so I actually like Australian dietitians for some reason. I don't know why okay. that happened. So there is this cool guy, Aiden, the dietitian. Oh. And he... Um, like I think our mindsets are the same and also the way that we see patients and also not being so restrictive and just great information or great resources, especially for training. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people um, care a lot about sports nutrition now, like going to the gym, what do they eat before, what do they eat after, how do they calculate this? And I think everything's on his page and it's so scientifically sound and easy to understand. So he's really quite cool, yeah. Nice. I mean, clearly that just means she feels like she is the knowledgeable <laughs> Like she knows what she's doing. She doesn't look around. Confidence in my I like that. I like yeah. that. But before I go, I just wanted to know, as somebody who's done quite a lot of training, and I mean, when it comes to shoots and things, I'll kind of be like, okay, I know my macros and I know my micros and like calories and the amount of calories. Do you find that that, I mean, we talked about the behavior that we have around food and the thought process around it, but is it good to know how, where your calorie point is and to kind of try stick to that on a daily basis 
or even a weekly basis because you talk about the net that you have. Yes, I think it's better days. to look at it weekly. I think it's better to look at it, yeah. Yeah, so rather to look at a weekly average versus okay. like every day because um, then it also allows you for maybe on weekends to have a little bit more and then in the week you can have a little bit less to sort of balance it out mm -hmm. if you have something coming up or if you know something's coming up. But honestly, in terms of tracking, it can for some people get a bit much also the apps and whether the food items have really been proper like validated i mean i've seen some shocking sort of nutritional breakdowns of stuff and i think that also makes you a bit too pedantic mm. and then it comes into the eating behavior and then also fearing things mm. and then maybe also a bit dis of disordered eating if you see like oh i've just got like 200 calories left for the day let me see what i can find in my salad, cupboard salad, you know do you know what i mean yeah. so i think um, rather knowing your portions mm -hmm. of everything and sticking to that more or less and sustaining that versus like on the money, exactly how many grams, unless you are a professional athlete training for something, completely different approach. But for the layman, I think rather be more comfortable and just knowing your portions and being consistent with that versus tracking and worrying about that. But if you went to a dietitian, I mean, she would give you a meal plan. with those portions for you so you wouldn't have to track anything you just need to stick to that and then you'd know that you're on track and it also starts me having to ask you what your weekly caloric count is <laughs> take a bit of a personal one we'll, yeah. we'll stop there we'll stop yeah. you. thank you so much for sitting down with thank us thank you for having um, me you've been a wealth of knowledge uh hopefully we'll be talking about other things around yeah, kind of nutrition And especially the food mindset, I think that's a really great topic to kind of flesh out because there's been all sorts of transitions. Yeah. Um, and I feel like COVID has been a touch point for another transition when it comes to it and body positivity and all of these other topics. Mm -hmm. So we'll be seeing your face more often, hopefully. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks Thank for so having much. me. Well, there you have it. Another interesting, informative episode. Um, and hopefully you've taken a bunch of nuggets that are going to have you feeling far healthier Maybe not necessarily slim and trim, but healthy and well.